Hi everyone, welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we are in this place today, gathered because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's in the name of Jesus that we claim the power, your power in our lives, working in us, guiding us step by step, day by day. It's in the name of Jesus that we claim your love that is given to us so extravagantly. It's in the name of Jesus that we claim your grace distributed so generously. It's in the name of Jesus that we claim your mercy so tender to us. It's in the name of Jesus that we claim your goodness. It's in the name of Jesus we claim life, not just life now, but life eternal and life that is abundant, knowing that following you truly is the best way to live. It's in the name of Jesus that we give you all praise, all glory, all of our attention, all of our hearts, all of our soul, and all of our minds. We offer to you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, it is a privilege to see you today. Great to be with you this morning as we uh, have this chance to share together. Thanks for being in the room with us. Uh, Those of you who are tuned in online, whether you're across town or across the country, uh, we're glad that you're joining us as well for this time of worship and learning and studying together. Thanks for making this a part of your day. Uh, Just a couple real real quick housekeeping things, some uh, some announcements to make. Want to make sure you know about a couple things. Uh, Coming up at the end of this month, we are in March already, but the last Sunday of March is Easter Sunday, and uh, Josie wanted me to mention She's putting together the Easter, uh, the worship choir to help lead us on Easter Sunday. And so if you're interested in participating in that, uh, she would love to talk to you. So see her uh, before you leave today. And also um, the kids who sang at Christmas Eve, uh, she wants to include them as well in the last song of that Easter Sunday morning. So uh, kids up to eighth grade, uh, see Josie for more information about that. Uh, you want to be sure that you're participating in our choir on Easter Sunday morning. Uh, Brian asked me to mention uh, that we are recruiting uh, for two mission trips coming up in 2020. 24, one to Arizona, one to Cuba, and the deadline for getting signed up and getting your deposits in for those trips is April the 7th. Now, that is a hard date on the Cuba trip because we need that much time to secure visas and things like that for that international travel. Uh, so just keep that in mind. See Brian or Lori Keeney for more information about those trips and uh, find your place to, to serve in, either in Arizona or in Cuba uh, yet this year. <clears throat> and one more thing I want to mention to you, and that is what's coming up this evening at 6.30. Uh, we are presenting a special presentation we're calling Developing a Digital Strategy. This is part of um, this And Mind sermon series that we're in. <clears throat> but we thought it'd be important to talk about one of the big things is affecting mental health pardon me I'll get through this in a second big thing is affecting mental health especially in adolescents and children and that is our 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 use of of digital platforms uh, from video games to cell phones to television and movies all those things uh, have are having an effect in research because they're still relatively new is beginning to show us some of those effects and so we want to give you some tools as parents as grandparents to help develop a digital strategy for your home my wife Megan is going to be leading this uh, seminar tonight at 6 30 I hope you'll be here um, to hear what she has to say. She's been working really hard on this and is very excited about what she has to to share with us tonight. Um, This is specifically designed for parents. 
Now, if you are not, if you don't have, if you're not a parent that has kids currently at your house, listen to me, you will still benefit from being here tonight. Because uh, she's going to talk not just about what to do with, as parents, but uh, for your kids, but as, as grown-ups, how we are dealing with our digital strategies as well. So I hope you'll be here tonight. That'll start about 6.30, uh, same time the youth group starts for our middle school and high school students. And so we'll see you tonight uh, right here in this room at 6.30. Uh, that will be broadcast. It will be live streamed. If you can't be in the room tonight, you can watch it uh, at our normal spots on our broadcast, uh, broadcast stations. That's not how you say that. But our YouTube and Facebook and our website, fccnp.org. All right, let me start this morning with a, um, we haven't done this in a while, throw the, throw the thing up there for me, Ryan. Yeah, we're going to start with a really, really bad joke, all right? So here's the really, really bad joke. A family is gathered in a hospital room around the bed of a loved one. The team of doctors and specialists have come into the room, they have done the test, they were waiting word from this team about the health of their loved one. The doctor says, the lead doctor says, well, the news is not good. The situation is dire. The only hope, the only hope we have is to do a brain transplant. Now, this is a new procedure. It's very risky. It's very, very expensive, and your insurance will not cover it. So the family asked the doctor, how much would a brain transplant cost. And the doctor says, well, if it's a man's brain, it will cost one million dollars. But if it's a woman's brain that we're transplanting into your loved one, the cost will only be two hundred thousand dollars. Well, the men in the family begin to snicker. <laughs> of course, a man's brain is much more expensive. Of course, that just makes sense. They're thinking to themselves. And so finally, one of the, the women in the family asked the doctor, well, why is that? doesn't make sense. Why is a woman's brain so much less than a man's brain? And the doctor answered, well, that's just standard pricing procedure. We must discount a woman's brain because it's been used. <laughs> I warned you. I, I, I put a sign up for you. I warned you. Do me a favor. Hold on to that joke for just a minute. We just hold on to that. I'm going to come back to it, all right? Hold on to that for just a minute. One day, Jesus was asked... What's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing we need to do, Jesus? And Jesus answered in Matthew 22, the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So we are in a sermon series that we're calling And Mind. And we're talking very specifically all the way up until Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday, our last Sunday of this series, we're talking very specifically about the issue of mental health. Now, I appreciate Brian pinch hitting for me. We had to kind of call an audible on some of this. He pinch hit for me for the last couple of weeks while I was with my family. And, uh, and he covered the issues of anxiety and the issue of grief. And uh, th those are all important things. So I thank, my thanks to Brian for filling in and keeping this series going uh, and, and talking about those important themes. If you were here a couple of weeks ago when I began this series, or if you've listened online or to the podcast, I mentioned that I approached this series with some trepidation. I'm a little nervous about this series, and the main reason is this. I'm not trained in this field. There's not a bunch of letters after my name that say I'm an expert in this, uh, in this field, and I'm, I'm nervous that I will say something out of my own stupidity that will be harmful to you. So please know everything I'm saying is out of love, and if I say it wrong, I'm asking for some grace. So I'm trying to get this right. And I'm trying to help all of us in this area of mental health. I don't want to be misunderstood. 
And I said in the first week, the easy thing to do, and I was really, really tempted to do this, the easy thing to do in this series was just skip it. Was just not talk about it at all. To play it safe. To go with something, talk about anything different. To, because if I'd talked about something different, there's no way I could have said what I'm going to say in this series. I, I could have said it incorrectly because I wouldn't have been talking about it. But as I said back a couple of weeks ago, not talking about it is not working. And nothing gets better in the dark. So we're going to talk about it. Because the struggle for mental health is real. And you've experienced it. And people you know and love have experienced it. Which I think raises a question. Because this issue seems to be more prevalent in our national conversations, our social conversations, even now in our church conversations. The question is, is our current mental health crisis worse than ever or are we just better at recognizing what has been a reality all along? Because mental health challenges have always existed. We saw in week one, a couple weeks ago, we saw where many of the great heroes of the Bible dealt with mental anguish. So maybe we should recognize that God has wired all of us to be capable of mental distress. Wait, what did he just say? That, yeah, yeah, and let me say it again. God has wired all of us to be capable of mental distress. And that is not always a bad thing. Experiencing anxiety or grief or stress can be useful experiences. If I see a child in danger, I am going to experience anxiety, which hopefully will prompt me to rescue the child. I lose someone I love, like I just did two weeks ago. I am going to experience grief. Grief is a healthy process to help me get to a better place from my loss. I have a big project or a big test coming up. I am going to feel stress, which hopefully will motivate me to be prepared and to do the work that needs to be done to accomplish that goal. Feelings help us cope with the pressures and even the dangers of life. So yeah, God wired us to be capable of these mental distresses, but God did not wire us to feel chronically anxious or sad or burnt out. And when we do, it is impossible for us to flourish as the image bearers of God that we are created to be. So let me just go ahead and put my cards on the table this morning. I'm convinced, and I'm going to try to tell you why in a second, I'm convinced that our mental health crisis is worse now than it's ever been before. Here's a couple of reasons why. The first one I'm just going to call lifestyle changes. Lifestyle changes. For example, and there, I can, we can talk about this for hours, but I'm going to just give you one example. A hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, in America, the average American averaged over nine hours of sleep every night. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> because today, the average American averages 6.8 hours of sleep a night. 
That is a statistically stunning change. We are asking more of our bodies than ever and letting our bodies rest less than ever. We are a sedentary culture. We stay inside. Studies conclusively show that just 15 minutes of sun on your face every day improves your mental health. And yes, I know we live in Ohio where it never sun, the sun never comes out in the winter. Get over it. All right. I know that. But most of us don't get that. We don't try to get that. We live our lives at a pace that leaves almost no margin for Sabbath. That's rest and time with God. There's no space in our lives. There's no, there's, there's no extra for that kind of, we'd even call it a luxury to take a Sabbath, to take a rest. I would encourage you to go back and listen or re-listen to some sermons I preached about a year ago in a series I called Soul Care. I said then, and I still believe it now, that we have normalized a way of doing life that is toxic for our souls. I think lifestyle changes have contributed to our mental health crisis. I think another thing that's contributed to our current mental health crisis is diminished human connection. Here's what I mean by that. Families are less stable than ever. Extended family is less available than ever. Society seems to be becoming more tribal, and we are afraid of other cultures or even other tribes. Technology lied to us. Technology promised that it would help us be more connected than ever. And it's true. We have contact lists that are full. But the reality is we've replaced friends that we know with friends that we watch. And all of the surveys indicate people reporting fewer friends and feeling lonelier than any generation ever surveyed. And finally, this kind of ties right into this, but this is a current and recent redevelop- uh, current development, is the popularity of digital platforms. I think this has contributed to our current mental health crisis. There was, I, I said this back in the Soul Care series, Megan's going to talk about this tonight, there was a statistical spike in teenage anxiety, I mean, we, we, you look at the graph. There's a spike. The year was, I think it was 2011, where teenage anxiety spiked. Do we know what happened in 2011? iPhone 1. There's a connection. The spike in teenage girls struggling with body image issues corresponds to the very year that the Instagram app was launched. These social media platforms are the tobacco industry of our generation. We know they are killing us, but they are so addictive and so lucrative. So they invite me into a contest that I can never win, the comparison game. And I look through my seven-inch screen at your curated life, And I compare your curated life to my sad little life, and my life always loses. And these platforms expose me to intense amount of meanness and hate in the world. They expose me to more suffering than my soul can bear. My grandparents 
My grandparents were not aware often for weeks or even months of tragedies in other parts of the world. But now, in a second, I can be aware or am, I am aware of all of the hurt and all of the suffering and all of the evil in the world at any moment. And listen to me. Only God can absorb all of the evil in the world and stay healthy. I can't do it. My soul cannot live at the speed of my smartphone. Which again is why tonight at 6.30, we want you to be here. Let's develop a digital strategy for our home because this is a huge contributing factor in our current mental health crisis. Now, you may disagree, disagree with me that it's worse now than it's ever been before, but I challenge you to do this. If you disagree with me, here's my challenge for you. Go talk to any school counselor who's had their job for more than 10 years and ask them. And I got high school teachers in the room right now. They will agree with me. Are kids today struggling with their mental health more than at any time before in your career? And you will get a unanimous answer. Our children today have to navigate a world that is toxic to mental health. And the thing is, get this, they didn't create this. They were born into it. But we all have to navigate it. And that's why, back to my corny joke that we started with this morning, that's why it matters so much how we use our brains. You can go three weeks without food, you can go about three weeks, about three days without water. You can go three minutes or so without oxygen, but you can't go three seconds without thinking. And so today we're going to talk about what we think about. Now I want you to lean in with me today because what we're going to talk about today, are, some of this stuff is kind of deep, but it is very, very, very important. Here's the first thing I want you to know. You are more than a brain. You are more than a brain. Your brain is an amazing organ, but you have a consciousness that is outside of your brain that informs your brain. As an image bearer of God, as, as a person who was created in the image of God, you have a mind. Your mind is the seat of your awareness, your feelings, your thoughts, your mind directs your brain. Because of that, we believe that people are responsible for their choices. We believe that people can change their behaviors. I am more than my brain. I am a user of my brain. God has given me a mind, and that's why we can legitimately hope for better mental health. Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, read this last part out loud with me, by the renewing of your mind. Which leads me to my second big idea. Your mind can be renewed. Your mind can be renewed. The Bible consistently challenges the thought that you can't control your thoughts. And by the way, the latest science agrees. Every time we have a thought, we have a chemical reaction in our brain, and our brain responds to that thought. And if I keep thinking about the same thought over and over and over again, I create in my brain what they call a neural pathway 
Think about it like a path, a road that these thoughts travel on. And the more I think about the same thought, and the more this neural pathway gets created in my mind, the easier it is for me to keep having that thought. Because my brain is literally wiring itself to do that. This is what creates our cognitive biases. But now, scientists have discovered there is a phenomenon called neuroplasticity. I don't think that's how you say that, but work with me. Which simply means our brains can be retrained. Our brains can grow new paths. Our brains can build new roads. Our brains can change. Our brains can evolve. What it means is I can create new neural pathways when I challenge how I used to think with new ideas. In other words, by using my mind, I can retrain my brain. Oh, by the way, <laughs> the human brain is the only brain that can do this. Dogs don't sit around and step back and think about what they've been thinking about. <laughs> Just humans can do this. And the reason we can do this because we're made in the image of God. And God designed his people this way. And that helps us live this way. Ephesians 4 says, let the Spirit, say this word with me, renew. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You are not just an unwilling responder to chemicals in your head you can renew your thoughts and your attitudes. You can retrain your brain. Now, here's the reality. You can retrain your brain in either direction. You can train your brain in the direction of better mental health or in the direction of worse mental health. In fact, the human creature, the human brain, is the only creature that can lie to itself and believe the lie it's telling itself. Which is why my third big idea is so huge. Better mental health includes taking responsibility for your thoughts. Now let me be very clear here and very careful. This is one of those moments I don't want to be misunderstood. To lean in, make sure I'm saying this, make sure you're hearing what I'm saying. I am not suggesting, I am not suggesting, lean to the person next to you and say, he's not saying that. Go ahead. All right. I am not suggesting that your mental health challenge is only the result of your cognitive function. That if you would just buy a happy face poster, if you would just think happy thoughts, that you will not have any, any more mental health challenges. I am not saying that. We said two weeks ago that there are legitimate reasons why you might have a mental health challenge. It could be chemical imbalances in your biology. It could be years of living in a toxic family system. It could be that you experienced a horrific trauma. I am not saying that you have a mental health struggle because you are thinking the wrong thoughts. I am saying every mental health professional I read or talked to agrees. 
Any strategy for having better mental health has to include thinking about what you've been thinking about. And since we're always thinking anyway, we might as well be involved in the process. Now, as Christians, as as followers of Jesus, our worldview, the way we see how the world works, includes another I think very critical factor in this conversation and that is this I believe as Jesus did I believe in the existence of a malevolent spiritual enemy Jesus called him the devil or the Satan and Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies you know God didn't create everything It is impossible for God to lie. The Satan created lies. And he spreads them relentlessly. So listen to me. Your mental health struggle may not be due to you believing a lie, but the enemy will show up in your struggle and speak lies to you to make your anguish worse and to frustrate your pursuit of better mental health. That's why the scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 10. We capture, the the word means like grab hold of, like a hunter. We capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. So with the rest of our time this morning, what I want to do is I want to speak directly to followers of Jesus who struggle with their mental health. Now remember, not every thought that enters your mind originated with you. The Spirit of God has something in mind for you. And the Satan has something in mind for you. And renewing your mind, capturing, capturing every thought will include discerning between what is true and what is a lie. So let me go over four of what I think are the most common lies that Satan uses when we are struggling with our mental health. Here's the first one. I must keep quiet. That's a lie. I must keep quiet. I'm a Christian. Christians shouldn't have problems like this. I can't let anyone know. They won't love me at church if they know about this. I must keep quiet. That is a lie. The enemy wants the subject of mental health to be covered in fear and stigma and shame because he knows that nothing gets better in the dark remember revealing is always the beginning of healing and seeking help through a doctor through medication through therapy through a counselor seeking help is not about being weak it's about being wise in fact It takes an enormous amount of strength to confess, I'm not okay, and I don't want to stay this way. I told you last time, the average person in America, when they they discover they've got a mental health issue, and to the time that they actually reach out and ask for help, is 10 years. A lot of damage can happen in those 10 years to you and your family. It takes a lot of strength to say, I'm not okay, and I don't want to stay this way. Jesus said, the truth sets us free. So I must keep quiet is a lie. 
Here's another lie that Christians often hear. I am my struggle. That's a lie. The enemy wants to give you a label that is liable. You are not, and then fill in the blank. You are not your PTSD. You are not your depression. You are not your anxiety. You are not your bipolar diagnosis. You are not, fill in the blank, you are not that diagnosis. You are a child of God that deals with PTSD or anxiety or depression. Your diagnosis is not your identity. And your diagnosis is not bigger than your God. We serve a God that takes our tests and turns them into testimonies. The enemy wants to give you a label, and the Spirit of God wants to give you the gospel. And the gospel says that you are, you, you are so valuable to God that a crucifixion and a resurrection were worth it. So I am my struggle. That is a lie. Now the next one may be the one we hear the most. And that is, I'm a bad Christian. Because of my struggle, because of my diagnosis, because I deal with this, I'm a bad Christian. Listen to me, that's a lie. We think, well, if I were a good Christian, I wouldn't have this problem. I am a bad Christian is a lie. One thing that can make mental health challenges so disconcerting for believers, for church people, is the thought that why isn't my faith working? Do I not pray well enough? Do I not read the Bible enough? Do I not go to church enough? Is God upset with me? Surely God's mad at me. Am I being punished for something? Why is God punishing me? Why? The one reason this lie is so effective is that there is a very popular theology in America that basically says, if you have enough faith in God, you should be healthy and you should be wealthy. That you, if you have enough faith in God, that you shouldn't have any problems if you just believe in God enough. Let me be clear. Everybody listening? That is a damnable lie. It is a lie to say that a good Christian shouldn't have a hard life. Here's how I know that. Because Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. But the boss said that. The creator said that. In this life... In this world, you will have trouble. And so especially when a dear Christian friend confesses their mental health struggle, please be careful about being trivial with faith advice. Don't say to things to them like, oh, you just need to read your Bible more. You just need to read more. You need to believe more. Can I tell you something? The Christians that I know who struggle with their mental health, most of them pray and read their Bible more than I do because they are desperately seeking the presence of God in their struggle. Yes, reading the Bible. Yes, praying. Yes, worship. These are all things that God gives us, but God also gives us doctors and medicines and therapy here's the thing your struggle 
has made you feel guilty, and that feeling is real, but that doesn't mean it's true. And so as you are praying to God, I want you to start praying a new prayer. I want you to, add, I want you to pray and ask the Spirit of God to help you stop accepting blame for what is not your fault. It's not your fault that you have a mental health struggle. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you a real person in a fallen world. And the problem is not that you don't love God enough, but it could be that you're not thinking right about how much God loves you. Because when you were in the midst of mental anguish, it does not feel like God is close, and that's the fourth lie. God is not close. That's a lie. You've been there. <laughs> I've been there. Times of intense pain over something I'm living through, and it just doesn't feel like God is anywhere around me at all. Feelings do not tell us the truth about reality. Feelings tell us the truth about how we are currently perceiving reality. We cannot always choose our feelings, but we can choose how we think about our feelings. Because we have a mind, and we can choose to think that God's nearness is based on his eternal character, not on my temporary situation. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And that may be the words that some of you needed to hear today. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. One of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible is Romans chapter 8. There's so much theology and good, just good stuff packed into this chapter in Romans 8. And I like to go back to Romans 8 a lot when I'm in a hard place in my life. Because there's two places in Romans chapter 8 that really minister to me, especially when things are rough. The first one, Paul says, I love this picture. Paul says, and you know the mo you'll know this moment. Paul says there's moments in our lives when you're trying to pray, but because of the mental anguish, because of the grief, because of the suffering, because of the stress, you're trying to pray, you want to pray, but because of what you're going through, you just can't come up with any words. You, you can't think of the words to say in prayer. You're in pain, and all you can do is moan. Paul says in those moanings that the Holy Spirit hears our moanings and takes those moanings and presents them before the throne of God as a prayer. That's a good prayer. The Holy Spirit does that for us. And that brings me a lot of comfort to know when I can't get a sentence out, the Holy Spirit's praying, taking my feelings, my thoughts, my moanings, and presenting them before the throne of God as prayer. That's a good prayer. The other thing that Paul says in Romans chapter 8 is at the very end of the chapter, where Paul says, remember this. Remember that nothing can separate you from the love of God. He says, nothing can do it. And he, then he lists anything that possibly could because he says it can't do it. He says, height or depth, can't do it. 
Angels, demons, nope, can't do it. The past, the present, or the future cannot separate you from the love of God. Physical health, mental health, spiritual health cannot separate you. Nothing, he says, Romans 8, 39, nothing. Say the word with me. No, no, say, say it like you mean it. I'm saying, what'd you say? One more time, like you mean it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is always present, and that's why there's always a future. And it is so important, no matter how your struggle came to be, that you think about what you think about. And that you choose which voice is going to carry the most weight in your life. Listen to the voice of the Spirit who will never condemn. Because God cannot go one second without thinking about you. And you need to wrap your mind around that. Let me pray for you. If our community team will take their places. God, please take this lesson and plant it in our hearts where it can bear fruit, where it can do good. Give us a greater capacity to understand what is truth and what is lie. What is healthy, what is unhealthy. What takes me to a better place and what keeps me stuck where I am. God, give us greater courage to act on what we know is true even when it doesn't feel that way. We pray the Holy Spirit will renew our minds. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do that every day. We hope that you'll come quickly, Lord Jesus. This fallen world is beat down. But until you come, help us to be strong and courageous and passionate about living in the light and leaving the darkness. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.